Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. I had to make sure my phone was silenced before the show. I got so many texts and notifications. So popular. I'm so popular, so I just had to make sure I did that bump doing the same. It's just, it's just hard, you know what I mean? Being like the two most popular people we know. You get texts all day long. Oh my god! I get texts from the same person all day long. Is it Jen? The wife. That's who I get texts from. Did you find out what happened with with Michael? I did. I did. He had me scared for a little bit. Okay, so can he I get background? Responding. Yeah, go Why ahead. Why don't you get background? Uh, Valentine's Day yesterday, yesterday, and it was his first time giving chocolates and flowers to a Aww. girl. And um, I texted him. I'm like, what's up, man? How'd it go? And it's silence. I'm like, oh, dang. So then I'm on the road. <laughs> so you had two speeches prepared. I had two speeches. I had the victory and the de- the defeat. So I got home. I'm like, what happened, man? He, he goes, it was good. I walked over. I gave her the flowers okay. and the chocolate. We sat down. We had lunch together. Oh, my God. And then apparently if you walk the track at lunch, that's a oh, big that's deal. Oh, that's for real. That's yeah. for real. Yeah. So they walked the track Woo. at lunch. And then I said, man, that's that's awesome, man. But remember, you can't have no girlfriend right now. Yeah. Um, They're going to want your attention and your time. And your attention and time goes to school, your family, and sports. She can be your friend, but I'm happy you had some success. Well, I love that they walked to the track together. That it's is a deal. big deal. In middle school? Middle school. Middle school. That, let me tell you what. That's how I spent a lot of lunches. You just walk the track. You know what I mean? 400 meters, baby. 400 meters. You know, one, one, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. That was my, <laughs> that was my slogan in, in middle school. You just walk the track and hang out. Uh, well, I love that that ended up being successful for little Michael. I was a little nervous when you weren't too. hearing back. And I was thinking of like all the rejections that I remember. Uh, not me giving because I did not um, re- receive Valentine's. But I, I do. That's you a know, lie. I was, no, it's true. But I was flashing back to remembering like, Oh, God, when I was in elementary school, this one guy had this big crush on this girl named Tia, and he brought her a teddy bear, and she walked out an element, or, uh, onto the playground and threw it on the ground, and I was like, oh, God, I hope Damn. this isn't happening to Michael. Uh, she was a heartbreaker. That's rough. It is real rough. It's real rough, but thankfully that didn't happen. I'm really it glad. Didn't. Good job, little bump. I know. Uh, also yesterday, while it was Valentine's Day, uh, let's talk about what happened on the station. There was this really interesting interview with Brock and Salk that Andrew Brandt had, and uh, he was talking about quarterback salaries. So we talked, Bump and I, about how Patrick Mahomes became the first quarterback to win a Super Bowl while accounting for more than 13% of his team's salary cap. Mahomes accounted for 17% in 2022. Brock and Salk had a similar conversation with Andrew Brandt. Andrew Brandt was having none of the idea that you can't pay your quarterback in the first place. You're hitting a sore spot for me, Mike. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I did Philly radio, same question about Hertz. I did Cincinnati radio, same question about Burrow. I did L.A. radio, same question about Herbert. Listen, let me try to be very clear on this. It's a cop-out. It's a tired excuse for teams, for fans, for media to say, You can't build a Super Bowl roster if you have a high-level quarterback. That, to me, is such BS. Such BS. He is sick and tired of hearing that you can't pay your quarterback. So this is kind of where we're stuck in Seattle. Seattle doesn't have that franchise quarterback right now, right? But here's the deal, guys. If we're saying that, like, really only five quarterbacks in the NFL, give or take a couple, can like definitively be worth that kind of money or lead their team to a Super Bowl, then where does that leave the other 28, give or take a couple teams? What, just not competing, not paying anyone, not drafting anyone, right? It it, it simplifies the conversation to the point where you're just left 
paralyzed not knowing what to do at quarterback. Yeah, there are four to five guys who require that. We'll call it just a max deal quarterback contract, right? Guys like Russell Wilson at one point, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. I think Lamar deserves that, and Jalen Hurts might be the next guy up. For everybody else, it's uh, it's mid-tier. You look at just the numbers that these other quarterbacks get, they're around the same unless you're on a rookie contract. There's like three situations. There's the rookie contract quarterback, there's the, the middle-tier quarterback, and then there's the guys who are expected to compete for Super Bowls every single year. So you pay those guys. So it's nice to hear someone else say it, you know, so I don't think I'm going crazy with, with that, that train of thought after mm-hmm. – Spending too much time on spot track these past uh, couple of weeks trying to <laughs> see what's going great. on and where the money is supposed to be. And um, it's a conversation that needs to keep on going because that's how you build teams is with contracts. Well, and let's talk about how you can sometimes sink teams and hurt teams also with contracts, but bad ones. Andrew Brandt says, look, it's not about paying the quarterback that's the problem. It's this. Think about football these days. You got 50 to 70 percent of your roster is on rookie contracts, first four years, right? So give them a conservative million-dollar cap figure for each of those guys. So now you've got over half your roster counting about $30 million cap. So now you've got $190 million to deal with the rest of your roster. And again, I can't say this strongly enough, it's not paying your quarterback $40 million that gets you in cap trouble. That is not what gets any of these teams in cap trouble. What gets teams in cap trouble is bad deals that go south, paying the wrong guys, having so much dead money in your cap for deals that didn't work out. And, you know, this is not the issue. It's never the issue whether you can pay a quarterback and build a good roster around it. This is where I want to start the conversation today, Bump, right Right here. What's really the issue when we talk about contracts and what limits teams and what doesn't? Does paying a quarterback... 35 million, 40, 45 million, 50 million in a single season and that kind of cap hit keep your team from being as flexible elsewhere? Yeah, right? It's a salary cap. That's how money works. More money goes to one thing, less money goes to other things. Mm-hmm. But don't forget that it's not the only thing that can hinder a team. And that if you're going to pay a quarterback that much money, let's hope that you're also pretty good at some other things. You don't have to be absolutely perfect. But let's take the Seahawks as an example. What held the Seahawks, what has kept the Seahawks from getting back to the NFC Conference Championship game? Is it because they paid Russell Wilson? I don't think so. No, it's not because they paid Russell Wilson. It's the defense. It's being able to hold teams up. It's being able to protect Russell Wilson. I mean, of course, too, he has to take some responsibility when it comes to those sacks because he likes to hold on to the football. So to me, it's protecting Russell Wilson. And so investing in that offensive line and then creating a defense that's able to cause turnovers and get stops and stop the run, take the ball out the air. That's what this team has been missing over the past few years. Yes, exactly. It's it's myriad issues. You're right. right. The defense. The defense has been struggling essentially every year since 2014, their second visit to the Super Bowl. Uh, they were still good in 2015, right? And they just kind of went from 
from great to good to average to bad. Every single year, you can see the yards per game increase. You can see the points per game kind of like go a little bit up and down, but overall increase. You can see the passing yards, the rushing yards, everything increase. It all just gradually every year gets worse and worse and worse until you have no members of your Super Bowl defense left and you have um, back-to-back seasons of a 31st-ranked passing defense and then like a 30th-ranked rushing defense. That's that's the curse of being so good back yes, in the day. that's another thing that's that kept them from getting people- to the NFC Conference Championship People um, expect that type of um, performance from a defense year in and year out. Now, there are situations where there are teams that put together great runs of defensive plays. I can think of the Pittsburgh Steelers back in the day had a run where you knew that this defense was going to be good and ready to go. Uh, You can think about the Baltimore Ravens back in the day. They had four or five seasons where you knew this defense was going to be ready to go. As of late, I would say the defense that's had the biggest run so far has been probably the 49ers over the past, what, two yeah. or three years? Yeah. And I think yeah. that's probably that's probably how people have to start looking at teams. Three to four years to where you can keep this squad together and you can expect to play at a certain type of level because of personnel, because people just move on. That's what happens in the NFL. Guys are getting hurt. Guys are retiring. Guys are getting money elsewhere. So it's um it's – we're being honest about the defense. They have struggled over the past few years. But people who have been fans for a decade always look back to 2013 and 14 and say, man, I remember those days, yeah. which puts even more pressure on these guys. They have not been playing well, though. That is that is a fact. But there's not one key to winning a Super Bowl, and there's not one key to keeping you away from one, right? That's eventually, that's ultimately what I'm getting to with this, right? Mm-hmm. What's keeping What's keeping Seattle from getting back there? 866-979-3776. That's the Mac and Jack's text line. Join this conversation. It's what we get right and wrong about the salary cap. What we get right and wrong about paying quarterbacks. What we get right is that it is really difficult to be able to win when you're paying a lot of money to one guy or two guys or three guys. Period. That That is true. Yeah. Right? We have one example of it happening. What we get wrong is that it is a definitive truth that you can never win a Super Bowl if you do that because we just saw it happen. Oh, but it was one time. It happened. Okay, that's a wrench thrown into the conversation. Now we got to talk about how Seattle can get it done. Am I saying Seattle needs to pay Geno Smith and Patrick Mahomes money? No, I'm not. What I'm saying is that we cannot continue to simplify conversations about what makes a Super Bowl team and what makes a team fail because there's a lot of things that go into this. Seattle's been able to be a really competitive team, get to the playoffs in, what, 10, 11 out of 13 years Mm -hmm. because they've had great coaching, consistency with the front office. Uh, They've had a great quarterback, a great middle linebacker, a couple great pieces, and it's kept kept them competitive. Why haven't they been able to actually go further? Injuries, declines on defense, defensive coordinator instability, um, a quarterback who uh, was really good but was accounting for a salary cap. That was part of it. Uh, Not drafting well. Um, Some trades that didn't work out, right? You can't forget Jimmy Graham. Jamal Adams hasn't worked out yet. Um, Draft picks that haven't worked out. I just mentioned bad drafting. I said that twice. But I'm just (laughs) saying there are – There are multiple things that you have to get right, which means when you haven't gotten there, there's a couple things that have gone wrong, and you cannot whittle it down to, oh, you're paying this guy too much money. That's why. Don't do that, and you'll get to a Super Bowl. It's not that simple. No, you can't. There's there's always about five to six guys on a team who are getting paid top dollar at their position, and those affect the salary cap and what you can do as well. And I think those are the forgotten guys. Now, out here, people always look at Jamal Adams and say, okay, you're paying him X amount of dollars, but what have you gotten out of him? And honestly, you haven't gotten a lot because he's been banged up the last couple of years. Those are the type of contracts 
that really hinder you because you're banking on your quarterback to be the leader and lead your team to the promised land, and you have to pay a quarterback for you guys to be successful unless you find one on a rookie deal like Jalen Hurts, you draft one or whatnot. Brock Purdy, if you want to throw him in there. Uh, But after that, it comes down to the supporting cast. And even in the supporting cast, there are guys who are getting more money than the Mm -hmm. rest. DK 24, Jamal 17, Mm -hmm. Lockett 17, Diggs 13, Uchenna 9. Those are the contracts that you're banking on working out as well. Yes. So, yes, the quarterback deserves a lot of the attention. He deserves a lot of the praise and a lot of the negativity because on good football teams, if he's not on a rookie deal, he's the guy who's getting paid the most. But there's a a chunk of the supporting cast, which isn't a big chunk when it comes to uh, the number of guys, but it's a big chunk when it comes to the salary cap. So you got to look at those guys, too, and say, all right, let's make sure or hope and pray that we get production, $17 million a year production out of those contracts as well. Exactly. It's two things. Number one, what's the return you're getting from the investments you're making? And number two, what's the return you're getting from the low-risk things that you're doing? Mm Mm-hmm. Those two things pay off. The Chiefs, and I know they aren't the best example because the Chiefs aren't who Pete Carroll's dream team is going to be, but they're an example of a Super Bowl winning team. And I also just wrote an article about their team building, and so it's easier to just pull these numbers out. Where can I find that article? Oh, uh, seattlesports.com. Make sure you check it out. It's actually uh, it got some quotes from Bump in there. It's a great conversation. Um, but the Chiefs had low-risk investments, so bringing in Juju as a free agent, bringing in Kadarius Tony via kind of a low-risk trade, right? Mm-hmm. Um And then they have uh, big investments, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, um, who they traded a first rounder for and obviously then paid. Um, They have big investments in the offensive line with Joe Tooney and Orlando Jones Jr. And obviously Patrick Mahomes is their greatest investment. So they've got big investments that they're getting big return from. And then they've got low risk things, draft picks, Sky Moore. You've Mm -hmm. mentioned him all year long Mm -hmm. and look at it. He had a touchdown in the Super Bowl and he had a great return in the game prior low-risk things that have also given them great feedback or great reward. Seattle has not gotten the same. They have not gotten big returns from big investments. And they also, until this past season, and I would say in 2020 they have some good picks as well, have not for a couple years been able to get big return from uh, lower-risk investments. I think, minus the quarterback in Seattle, (laughs) They've gotten some returns. DK, I mean, a thousand yard season sure. with the new quarterback. That's a good return. Yes. He's your highest paid player right now. Tyler Lockett, that's a big return. And Quandre, big enough return, probably. He did make a Pro Bowl this year, turned it on a little late. Um, he would say himself, there were some plays that he left out mm-hmm. there. Jamal Adams is the lingering one. Then you look at the bottom of this deal. You've gotten some returns out of your rookies. You got Tariq, you got Ryan Neal, who's only getting 900000 a year. Um, you have who else is on this thing? From this class, you have every. I mean, Ken Walker, second rounder, who gave you a thousand yard season. Like in this specific class, you've gotten a lot of return from yeah, low. So, I would count any rookie deal as low investment. So this is an indication to me that they're on the up and up. Yes, because you are getting contributions from the top, all right, and you are getting contributions from the bottom. But now it's about adding to that. And how do you add to that? You restructure some contracts. And you hope that you hit in this draft again so you get contributions from the bottom, from these rookie guys. It's a um, it's an imperfect formula. There's going to be losses. There's going to be risks. Whenever you have contracts, there are risks there. That's just how this thing goes. But I look at this whole situation and I say, all right, I like the place that the Seahawks are in right now. I, I, and, you know, we still got to – we're hoping Jamal comes back and that he – he can he plays at the level that we're used to seeing. If that happens, if Jamal comes back and plays at that level, I think 
we feel a lot better about this whole situation. Mm-hmm. Um, from the 808, 808's on heartbreak. Do you guys really think that your listeners are so stupid? We think paying the quarterback is the only reason a team might not win a Super Bowl. Of course not. I know listeners are not stupid. I also don't think that people think that's the only reason. But what I do think is that when we talk about quarterbacks, a lot of what I see is getting around the issue of making any decision. I don't want to pay, pay Gino. Okay, if you don't want to pay Gino, what do you want to do? Uh, let's let's roll with Drew Locke. Okay, you think you can win a Super Bowl with Drew Locke? No. Then what do you want? Oh, how about Caleb Williams next year? Okay, so you want to win two games and get the number one overall pick? No. What do you want? I want <laughs> Make to win. a decision. Make a decision. I want to build and win. Okay, you want to build and win? And I think they're capable of doing that. I think they're doing the right things. And me personally, I think you build and win by signing Geno, making sure he's taken care of. You bring back Drew Locke. We're going to talk about draft scenarios later. We will. There's going to be some draft scenarios that, that we're going to discuss that we think help. And then keep relying on your big investments because for the most part, the guys who are getting paid the most did something this year. It's not like they were, you know, not performing. Mm-mm. We're going to get back to this conversation. at. Let's get back to it at noon because we have a lot of texters chiming in about it. We'll get back to it. Don't worry. Don't forget, you can catch the debut of the John Schneider Show tomorrow at 4 p.m. with Wyman and Bob. The Seahawks GM will be in every single Thursday between now and... And the first round of the NFL draft. He's going to be on act like day one of the draft on Wyman and Bob before the draft. That's the John Schneider show tomorrow. 4 p.m. is the premiere on Wyman and Bob. Let's get to headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. <laughs> Headline number one, the Kraken Ugh, lost their 2-1 okay, third Curtis. period lead and <laughs> lost in a shootout to the Jets last night. It's not okay, Stacey. What's the real headline? real headline is this team's feeling the absence of, absence of Andre Burakovsky. <laughs> wow, I really struggled over that. Uh, he's the leading scorer, as you guys know, on the injured reserve list. He's week to week at the very least with a lower body injury. Scoring depth has been a strength. We've talked um, to Andy Ide a million times about this. Seattle has 10 players on the roster who've scored 10 or more goals so far this year, but you haven't seen that depth step up with Burkowski out. No, you're right. That was the, the same point I was going to make. You got 10, uh, 10 or more. So those guys need to step up. That's what a team is all about. But when you don't have a guy like Andre out there, you don't have your leader, your go-to guy, someone you can depend on, it puts a little stress and a little bit of pressure on guys. So now I just want to see how these dudes respond, what adjustments mm-hmm. are going to be made. How do you right the ship? I was watching that shootout last night. I went to a Valentine's Day dinner with the wifey. And uh, I'm just mad I didn't see a triple deke, man. I'm like, I'm, I'm going back to oh. my Mighty Ducks days. I'm like, come on, hit him with it. <laughs> didn't see it. Were you watching over Jen's shoulder? Yes. Like she's oh, facing no. you and your attention's elsewhere. And she's like, hey, yeah, hey, exactly. I'm right here. Yeah. Exactly. Doing that thing. Have you guys ever been somewhere um, and you've been like watching a game on your phone, looking for updates on your phone when you're supposed to be like engaging? Like maybe it's a, a family dinner or a date night or whatever. And it just happens to be when a Seahawks game is on or it happens to be when the Mariners are playing. It's happened to me a million times with the Mariners, by the way. There's just obviously way more games. And so you can't predict when it's going to be a huge series until that week. And all of a sudden you're out to dinner on a Thursday night for someone's birthday looking at your phone wondering if the Mariners are going to sweep the Astros or whatever. What I always do is I let her know what I'm doing. Yeah. I go, hey, babe, I'm going to have to talk about this tomorrow. Let me check real quick. And then she she understands. <laughs> Headline rewrites. Headline number two, Todd McShay of ESPN releasing a mock draft today. He has the Seahawks taking Texas Tech defensive end 
Tyree Wilson at number five. What's the real headline? We're starting to see the same name pop up over and over again for Seattle. Don't forget NFL.com's lead draft reporter, Eric Edholm, who joined us for an interview yesterday, also mocked Tyree Wilson to Seattle bump. Yeah, here's the thing. I'm waiting until the combine because I like these mock drafts and I and I think they're not going to be completely off. Obviously, there's going to be some guys who move and change positions. The guys who are competing in the draft can raise their stock or lower their stock. They're going to go through all these, um, these physicals. They're going to go through these interviews. They're going to go through these drills. Even though I don't think that the combine is a guaranteeing thing to show you what this guy's going to be in the mm-hmm. NFL, it does have impact on where they are drafted and what people think about them. But when you start seeing the same name over and over and over again, you start to buy into it a little bit. I think the top 10, they probably got the names right. There's going to be some shuffling going on in this thing. So, yeah, I'm, um, I'm interested. I, I watched the film on the kid. I like what he can do, but I also want to wait for this, uh, this combine and see what happens. Headline Rewrites. Headline number three, Tiger Woods admits he's a little rusty, but he will play this weekend's Genesis Invitational, the first tournament he's participating in since last July's British Open. What's the real headline? He could be playing on a peg leg with both eyes closed, and we'd still stop to watch Tiger. That's headlines inspired by you, Bob. Oh, yeah. I'm watching. (laughs) I'm the dude walking down the street with his phone in his hand, not looking up at anything that might run into a pole because I'm watching Tiger Woods. He could be in danger of not making a cut playing horrible golf, I'm still going to watch Tiger mm-hmm. Woods. He's been a big part of my sports world. And the guys that I grew up watching and the gals I grew up watching, they're fading away, man. Tom Brady's out of that thing. Serena Williams on yeah. the way out. Tiger Woods is gone. Kobe's out of there. Jordan's out of there. So I'm going to enjoy every single moment, good or bad. I'm in it. It's completely fair, and it really is wild. You're not alone, Bump. I think a lot of people are like, it literally doesn't matter. Tiger Woods could be 70. And if he's stepping out there, just based purely on who he is, what he stands for, what he's accomplished, you're still going to stop and go, well, what if? <laughs> what, yeah. I can't look away. What if it actually happens? Can I just say, by the way, the Mac and Jack's text line hit me with this. Did you know Mike Salk has never seen the Mighty Ducks? Put him on blast. I am going to put him on blast. What? I'm also going to say this. For how much flack Bump and I and Curtis have gotten from other hosts, producers, writers, whatever here for like liking Rihanna's halftime show or like prior to last year, I hadn't seen Die Hard or whatever. Yeah. And Mike would always be like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Okay, but you guys haven't seen so many artists, concerts, movies from our era. I grew up like Mighty Ducks was a movie I saw a million times when I was a kid. I'm sorry, I haven't seen whatever you watched growing up. Salk Gone would, with the Wind. Salk would I don't root know. for Team Iceland. He would root for the Hawks. Absolutely. He would Salk root would, for all the villains. Salk would be a, a manager for Team Iceland. Yeah, he would. He absolutely would. It would be like the private school in, in New England. In D3, he'd root for the varsity team. Oh, my team. God. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Snap. And he Brock, does, he's Brock not going to get it. looks like he's on Team Iceland. Yeah, but Brock yeah. would be a mighty duck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Brock would be like um, like Adam Banks. He's he's the oh, best he's player, but like he's ultimately he's an honorary 1000%. Exactly, but he's an honorary duck that we brought over. And we were like, you can hang. Oh, you can man. hang out. You can be one of the ducks. Also, forget the ducks in real life. <laughs> Go dogs. <laughs> All right, it's Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. The Kraken have been without their leading scorer, and it feels like it. But with Andre Burakovsky remaining out for the time being, they need an answer. Kraken insider Andy Ide will tell us what that could be next. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Bump, do you have hockey ready for us to learn? Stay ready. (laughs) 
so you don't have to get so ready. So I got to get ready. We've been uh, learning that hockey with uh, vocab, new hockey vocab, uh, every time Andy joins us. Usually at the end of the segment, we mm-hmm. have uh, some new words. I got a couple. I've, I've liked, uh, was it face lettuce? Uh, Just lettuce? Yeah, yeah, face lettuce. That one was a mustache. Yeah. Uh, we've had pigeons, which are um, guys that just kind of hover around the goal and then, mm-hmm. you know, kind of get like a, a cheap little goal there, pigeons. My favorite is uh, clapper so far. Clapper. Uh, my favorite has been wagon. Wagon. Yeah, just because yeah. it's, it's, I just like saying it. The team's a wagon. <laughs> this show's a wagon. Uh, joining us right now, Kraken Insider Andy Eyed on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Guys, I told you that Andy would have all the answers uh, for us for how the Kraken can get back to scoring. Uh, in in uh, Andre Burakovsky's absence, so I'm so happy he's here. Uh, Andy, what's the answer? Uh, uh, shoot more. All right. <laughs> hey, you come here for that analysis, you guys, right here on Bumpin' Stacy. That's where you figure it out. Have you have you tried to reach out to Dave Haxtall and tell him this? No, you know they they canceled their practice today, so I didn't oh, get a chance. God. So, uh, next time I see him, yeah, they were scared. That's why. They were scared. <laughs> no, I, I mean honestly. I mean this is a this is a team that you know has a lot of scoring depth. Well, we haven't really seen it with Burakovsky out. So who's got to step up? Uh, you know, there's a bunch of guys. And one thing to keep in mind here is that the first half of the season they were shooting as a team almost 11, percent which is extremely high. They led the NHL shooting, and that's going to come and go. And right now it's gone. Uh, so you know, hopefully they can get back to, to hitting the net that way. There's a bunch of guys who are kind of in slumps. Uh, you know, Jordan Everly had a goal Sunday, uh, but he, you know, he, it's been a long time for him scoring goals, so they need to get him going again. Matty Beneers has gone 11 games, I think it is, 10, 11 games without a goal or a point, even even an assist. So I think he's kind of hit a rookie wall of sorts. Uh, Yanni Gordon hasn't scored a goal in a while. So there's some guys, some of their, their more veteran guys that are bigger names that need to kind of get into gear here. Uh, you know, defense definitely is keys that they've been playing good defense, but it hasn't turned into goals like it was earlier in the season. Andy, enlighten me. Is it is there anything that mm-hmm. opponents are adjusting to or attacking when it comes to the Kraken, or do you feel like it's more of an in-house type of problem? And if they fix a couple of things, they should be good to go. I think it's more in-house. You know, I think this time of the season, they're they're not seeing anything they haven't already seen. Yeah, even teams they haven't played before. Everything's on film. They, they, you know, they, they've gone through the cycle. They played almost everybody in the league. So I think what you're seeing against them is, is something that, that no one's surprising them. Let's say it that way. Uh, at this point of the season, so they just got to figure out a way to get back to their basics. And, and I, I was joking when I said shoot more, but you do see, <clears throat> you do see them passing up shots a lot to make a pass. Make a pass. Alex Lundberg is the prime. You know, uh, uh, criminal there. Whatever you want to call it, criminal is probably too strong a word. But even last <laughs> night, he had the puck. He had the puck right in front of the net, and instead of and if he backhands it, it could probably goes in. But he tried to pass it out in front. It was on a first period power play, and you just you want to see some of them have more of a shooter's mentality. You know, Jeremy McCann, for example, has a shooter's mentality. He always looks to shoot, so he's not a problem. He's not the problem. But uh, you know, I just think at times they they seem to pass up shots to try to make an extra pass. You know, Andy, when I when I hear that, I think of a team that doesn't have any selfish players. You know, to be a scorer, you got to be selfish. I tell my son all the time. Yep. I go, bro, you get around that that net. He plays goal. I go, you let loose, but he's a passer as well. Is that just the makeup of the team? You lose, you lost a couple of guys, uh, so you don't really have that selfish guy, the guy who who wants to be the goal scorer. 
Yeah, it's funny. That's a good point. There are times when, you know, hockey tries to romanticize the, the team play, the unselfish guy. But there are times when you do need to be selfish and take the shot instead of passing it off. And they've got a bunch of guys who I think, you know, look for that extra play. They, they don't want to be selfish. But you definitely need that. Burkowski was a, was a quote-unquote selfish guy. You know, he, he didn't hesitate to look to shoot. Uh, I mentioned McCann. You, guys like that are important to have on your team as well as guys who are playmakers. Uh, we've got about two weeks and a couple days until the NHL trade deadline. You think we could see a move on the horizon, most especially if Burakovsky stays out even longer? Yeah, I've gone back and forth on this. I, I still think that – I think if, if they were being honest with you, Ron Francis, uh, the general manager, would tell you that they're a little, this year is a little bit uh, – maybe a year earlier than what they had scheduled. And I think he's not going to be captured in that moment and, and trade away a lot of future capital, like first-round picks, which is what it would take to get like a big name in or make a huge splash. So I still think that their trade deadline this year will be a little muted. They could still make a move, uh, more of a death move that we saw with uh, with Jacob Magna. I, I think that's what really what you're looking at here. I, I would be surprised if they made a splashy move and went after like a, I don't know, a Timo Meyer in San Jose. I think that would be a little too costly for where they are. I think they still want to stick to their long-term plan, which is be able to win consistently. Uh, you know, and, and build the build winner more slowly. Andy, as you know, I'm a football guy, and I feel like football coaches can control what happens during a game the most out of all the sports, right? They call the plays, they scheme or whatnot. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that um, our head coach can do during a game to kind of help these guys get through this slump they're in? Yeah, you know, hockey coaches, hockey coaches are a little different. Uh, it, it, there is less control once the game starts. So a lot of the work is done, you know, pregame or practice, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's the matchups are a big thing in hockey during the game. So the coach controls the matchups. He just who takes the next shift, who who's out on the power play, who's out on the penalty kill. Uh, so I, I think you know, he, I think with Burkowski out, still tinkering with the lines a little bit to find just the right the right mesh. They've got a couple of good lines. That Yanni Gord line with Tolvanen and Bjorkstrand is in, is in sync. Uh, you know, create chances, uh, and, and you know, told them to score some goals here late, and Pearson as well. Uh, so I think that if you're a hockey coach, the best thing you can do is just keep an eye on what matchups, who 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 your three guys are, you can put together, and then you know, what, what seeing who the other team puts out, trying to match up with them. That's that's the most control during game that they really have. All right, let's apply that to the next couple games they've got. You've got the Flyers tomorrow, 7 p.m., taking on the Red Wings on Saturday, and then the following Monday uh, you're taking on the Sharks. I mean, it's uh, maybe not the easiest schedule. Some opportunities there, though. So uh, how do you see that fold- uh, unfolding for Seattle? Yeah, definitely some winnable games there. Uh, you would want to get you know four or five points out of those possible six, I think, Uh you know, they just played Philly. Philly plays hard. Uh, they, they have an up-and-down year. They're, they're right around 500. Uh, you just saw them. I, I don't think Philadelphia's played a game since that one on Sunday. So, this will be back-to-back games against the Kraken for them. Uh, they're very beatable. Detroit's a young team that, that has a good future, but they haven't quite put it together yet. So, uh, you know, that's one at home. So, you got to get They're not on the road to San Jose. San Jose's in a rebuild. They're looking to trade a bunch of their players. So it's a good time to catch them and, and try and get two points. Right now, getting points has to be their number one focus any, anyway, which is also why I don't think last night was such a disaster. They got a point against a really good Winnipeg team. It actually moved them into third place in the division all by themselves. Two points that were out of first. 
Uh, that's outside of it. It's two points out of first, and I think four or five out of being out of the playoffs. So it's jam packed in the Western Conference right now in the Pacific Division. So, so points is however you can get them is the key here. All right, time to learn that hockey, Andy. I got a question for you. <laughs> When's All the right. last time you saw a good yard sale out there on the ice? Now, a yard sale, folks, is when someone gets blown up, the gloves are everywhere, the helmet comes off, the stick is over there. They call it out a yard sale. When's the when's the last time you saw a good yard sale? You could also call it call it a yard sale when there's like been more than one fight on the ice. It's the same situation. Multiple. And gloves I like it. Yeah. Uh, probably, you know, uh, in the NHL, there was a big hit earlier this last week where Jacob Truba hit uh, Nazem Kadri in New York. Uh, I don't know if that – it didn't – it was the yard sale in the aftermath because he had to fight <laughs> but, and then won the fight. Uh, but probably, you know, back when I covered the Seattle Thunderbirds in junior hockey, you see that more in junior hockey, the bigger hits, uh, there's more fights. Uh, but definitely I've seen it before. I've seen line brawls where, you know, all, all six guys are all fighting each other and <laughs> there's, uh, you know, gloves and sticks everywhere. It takes a long time to clean up the ice afterwards. I love it. My wife loves a good yard sale. <laughs> hey, hey, it used to be going home from the store with my mom used to be a nightmare. If there was a single garage sale, yard sale on the way, it was, let's just stop for a second. Let's just stop and take a look. All right. He is Andy Eide, Kraken Insider. You can read his latest, which is about what this team can do in Burakovsky's absence on uh, seattlesports.com right now. Thanks so much, Andy. Thanks, Andy. My pleasure. Have a good one. All right. That is Kraken Insider Andy I joins us every single Wednesday at 1030. Coming up next, it's more Bump and Stacy, and we're going to get to some draft scenarios. Can you see the Seahawks trading up, trading back, maybe taking a quarterback? We're going to cover it all next. Bump and Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. All right, spring training has officially begun, though pitchers and catchers will report for the Mariners tomorrow. We're already going to open up this conversation with Brandon Gustafson. He's going to join us in 15. Before we get to that, let's talk Seahawks draft scenarios. Here's how it works. I'm going to talk about a potential scenario in the draft, and we're going to talk about whether we can actually see it happening or whether we're going to go ahead and uh, take that one off the board. Get it? Because it's a board because it's a draft board. We're I like it. Scenario off the I board. like it. Here we go. Uh, let's talk about trading back. Will the Seahawks trade back from number five? John Schneider has been plenty familiar with the idea of trading back in the draft. He's done it a million times. Certainly they've traded up, though not uh, like too high. They've traded up to take uh, Tyler Lockett. I think they traded up to take... Frank Clark, I can't quite remember, but they've traded up before. Um, right now, we're just talking about trading back from number five. Can you see a world where this draft scenario happens? There's a couple texters over the past week or so that throw Vita Vea in the mix. They're like, look, man, give us some picks, man. You go get Vita Vea. You're moving back into this draft. You don't move back in this draft. You do not move back. All right? You got that number five pick. You use that number five that pick. Bump. No. No, you use that number five pick. Now, we're we're getting a lot of people on the text lines talk about, I was going back and forth um, respectfully with this one text, and we're, we're talking. We're not even arguing. We're talking. You know, and I, I like good conversations like that. No one's getting offended, getting aggressive. And we're going back, and we're saying, look, man, the problem's been peace defense. You know, over the years, the defense and this, that, and the third. And I'm like, yeah, the defense has been a problem, but I think you got to look at this defense in a different light. This is a 3-4 defense, the first time they've ran this. They're experimenting to see who can do what. Do you have the guys? I think you need more than a year to say, it ain't going to work, throw it away. 
So what do you do? You make sure you go ahead and you get the personnel to help you run this defense. I'll look at that number five pick and I go, no matter what happens in front of that number five pick, you can get a guy that physically fits what you want to do on defense. I don't think you trade back. You have to use that number Cinco pick. Devil's advocate. Here it comes. Let's say in order, you got Chicago, Houston, Arizona, Indianapolis before you get to Seattle. You've got two teams that need defenders, two teams that need quarterbacks, two defenders Seattle would like. Let's say that they go off the board, okay? Chicago can't find a trade partner for number one, so they say, you know what? We don't want to take Bryce Young. We're just going to take our defender here. Boom, Jalen Carter off the board, number one overall Uh pick. Houston up there, yeah, we do need a quarterback. We need to find our guy. Boom, Bryce Young off the board, okay? Uh Arizona in there, hey, you know, we don't want to trade back because there's only one elite defender left. We're going to take Will Anderson at three. Bam. Indianapolis is in there. Hmm. You know what? We're going to do a little bit of a reach. I mean, uh, you know, we need a quarterback, but we're going to pass on Stroud. We're going to go ahead and we're going to take like Will Levis at number four. Indy gets their quarterback. Bam. Mm -hmm. Here's Seattle. Well, both of your, uh, you know, defenders that you wanted are off the board. C.J. Stroud's on the board, but now C.J. Stroud is the final of the top three quarterbacks on the board. Here's Detroit needing a quarterback. Here's Carolina needing a quarterback. Here's Atlanta maybe wanting a quarterback. If they don't like Ritter, who knows? Vegas, number seven, who wants a quarterback? You no longer get these top two defensive linemen, Anderson and Carter. They're gone. Do you take someone like Tyree Wilson at five, or could you still get him at seven with uh, Vegas's pick, nine with Carolina's pick? Maybe you trade back and you rack up one more pick. Here, you you trade back a couple spots if you have great relationships with these teams, right? Because you're sharing information. A lot of people think the NFL draft is just these guys are going into this thing blind. No, there's communication going on between teams that you trust, relationships. John Schneider has good relationships with several, if not a lot of these GMs across the league. If you have these conversations and you know that you're going to be able to get your guy, then uh, maybe you do it. But I look at that spot, I go, you still got Murphy. You still got Tyree right there. I Mm -hmm. think you can still get a quality defensive player at that number five spot. There's a team that wants to move up, and if CJ's still there, they want to take a shot at him, and you are 100% sure you're going to be able to get your defender, okay, I get it. But I'm just saying, I'm doing nothing. I'm not nudging from that number five spot. Not nudging. I wouldn't either. Our second draft scenario. So we can see a scenario where they trade back. We just wouldn't do it. Could they trade up? I'm not talking trade up with, uh, you know, one of your two second rounders or your third rounder, your fourth rounder. No, 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 no. I'm talking about trade up from number five. Trade up from number five. And why would you do that for Will Anderson and And Jalen Carter? Carter. It would be for Carter or Anderson. There are two teams ahead of the Seahawks that are going to be going after defensive linemen. Trading up, you're giving a five and 20. To trade up, you're gonna have to to move up to that and number four. And it would only four. be to like, well, you'd have to go to three. Yeah. You'd have to you'd have to get ahead of Arizona. Yeah, so you're giving up five and twenty. So now you're going from three picks in the first thirty-seven to two, and I'm not with that. I think that what did we learn last last year when these guys, at least this group that's together right now, when these guys had a bunch of picks, they did something with it. I want to give them a chance to run it back. You got 5, 20, and 37. You have the second most capital in the first 20 picks. I believe there's another team that has um, another pick in between um, the Seahawks. The Seahawks pick. There's another team with more capital. But mm-hmm. other than that, you have the number two and number three most capital in this draft when you're looking at the first round. I don't think you give that up. There's too many holes to fill on defense to give that up. You pick your defenders. I heard 
I saw mock draft number 20. You pick up a receiver. Don't you dare. Don't you dare pick up a receiver at number 20. Coming from a receiver. Yeah, don't you dare do it. Uh, okay, so first scenario, trade back. We can see it. Wouldn't do it. Second scenario, trade up. Neither of us really see it happening. Neither of us would do it. We covered whether or not they would take a quarterback yesterday. Make sure you go back and listen to that in hour one of the Bump and Stacy podcast. We settled on, yes, Bump has a series of dominoes that must fall in order for that to happen, though. But if they do fall, he sees them taking C.J. Stroud at five. Let's talk about the last scenario, trading picks for 2024. Get out of here. I'm just saying. You want to talk about Caleb Williams? Both of us would love to have Caleb Williams. Wouldn't you love to have Caleb Williams here? Oh, my gosh. Love Caleb Williams. Guess what? Caleb Williams is uh, next year's class. You want to lose... You want to lose 15 games to get Caleb Williams, or do you want to trade a couple of your picks this year? No, to get thank Caleb? you. No, thank you. No, thank you. Live in the present. <laughs> live, live in the now. And right now, this team needs defense. Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the country by far. There's no doubt about that. But you mentioned the scenarios that have to happen for them to get Caleb. You have to lose. You're going to trade some picks. Lots needs to go down. I think that with the draft last year, you have a core of young players who are ascending and ready to go. Mm-hmm. You add that. right? You get some more picks. You add some top-notch talent. You have the opportunity to do that. If you're going to trade back to 2024, maybe you can give up some early picks. You can give up some late picks. You know what they did with some late picks last year? They found some dudes. You found mm-hmm. a dude in the third round. You found a starter in the fifth round you got Derek Young in the seventh round who I think is going to contribute this year as well no I think they use all of their picks now history says Schneider likes to make some moves but I hope he's looking at that five and that 20 and that 37 and saying I'm good if you're going to move things around it's in that third fourth fifth sixth uh Brandon Gustafson friend of the show uh just a wonderful baseball mind and a, a personal friend of ours he just got big timed uh he got bumped back to noon but it's okay because he got big timed by Paul Seawald Paul Seawald is going to join us next don't go anywhere